Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, the Prime Minister says he stands by the RCMP Commissioner and denies interference with the investigation into the Nova Scotia mass shooting. We did not uh, put any uh, undue influence or pressure. It is extremely important to highlight that it is only um, it is only the RCMP, it is only police uh, that determine what and when to release information. Uh, the Commissioner's statement, the Minister's statement were very clear on that. And yes, I still uh, very much have support, have uh, confidence in, in Commissioner Lucky. The hybrid model of Parliament will continue for at least another year. The importance of actually having uh, parliamentarians being able to participate even if they are sick with COVID, even if they are unable to be in this House, their constituents don't lose their voice and their constituents don't lose their vote. Reaction after a group of Conservative MPs welcomes key figures of the convoy protests to Parliament Hill, assuring them they have allies in Ottawa. The convoy, if we want to be very specific, and the occupation of Ottawa, they had a very clear mandate and a very specific goal. They posted it on their website, they repeated it in a number of press conferences. Their goal is to overthrow the, the democratically elected parliament. And that's not something that we should be supporting. That's not something that elected officials should be supporting. It's Friday, June 24th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Joanna Smith, the Ottawa Bureau Chief for the Canadian Press. Good morning, Joanna. Good morning, Mark. So the Prime Minister is saying he stands by Brenda Lucky, the RCMP commissioner. He's also denying that there's been any political interference with the investigation into the mass shooting in Nova Scotia. But uh, even as as Parliament has now risen for the summer break, I imagine there will still be scrutiny on this and the opposition will continue to ask questions. That's right. And they, they're asking that the key people involved in this controversy, that's this RCMP superintendent and a former communications director who said there was political interference in the investigation of the mass shooting will be summoned to testify next month at, a, at the Parliamentary Committee digging into the allegations. At the House of Commons Public Safety Committee, they also want RCMP Commissioner Brenda Lucky, Bill Blair, who was Public Safety Minister at the time of the shooting, and their deputies to appear at a meeting no later than the end of July. And, you know, there is obviously a public inquiry going on into the investigation um, of what happened in 2020. But I think Conservative MP Raquel Dancho made a, made a good point when she said that these political interference allegations are separate from what that commission is looking at and, and should be investigated by Parliament. That we're not talking about the investigation itself, we're talking about the PMO and, and Blair's office and, and what happened there. So... Um, so, you know, that will continue through the summer, so this isn't going away. I also, you mentioned that Trudeau had expressed confidence in Lucky yesterday, but I found it also interesting if he kind of left it to her to defend allegations that she put undue pressure on Nova Scotia RCMP. You know, he referred to the statement that she'd issued earlier in the week, saying that she didn't interfere in the investigation, but she regretted how she handled the meeting described it as a as a tense discussion. So so this is uh, not going away. But the other thing I just wanted to bring up our our reporter in Nova Scotia, Michael McDonald, he wrote a great piece yesterday talking about how lost in all this partisan bickering was any discussion over the public's right to know about the firearms in question. And he interviewed some experts on on gun culture. You know, and one was saying that really in Canada the police don't release information. They don't necessarily view themselves 
as accountable to the public. Um, and, and we don't really find out as much information as we do in the United States, you know, after what happened in Uvalde, for example. Yeah. It was, it was, you know, so many details were released within hours, right? And, and this is something where you didn't find out about the firearms involved until November of that year. Um, and, and so I think in, in terms of the people in the community and, and what they feel they deserve to know, and, and with so many mistakes and errors made throughout the whole handling of, of that response by the RCMP, I think that that's important to remember as, as a key part of that report as well, you know, which, which I think can get lost in some of the political back and forth, which is highly fascinating. Uh, and I'll be watching this summer for sure uh, how that all shakes out. But I, I think this whole idea of, you know, what the public should have known and whether police yeah. were maybe pushing that point about this is justifying, um, sorry, this uh, interfering with the uh, investigation a bit too far. Yeah, I think you raise a great point there about when we watch news conferences in the United States after a major event, uh, a shooting or, or some other event involving the police, almost immediately they're releasing information. It takes a lot longer here in Canada and sometimes we sometimes months and sometimes we never find out some information. So uh, I think there's also a broader issue about the culture of the RCMP that this this is just one more example of that. And I know people have been making comments about that over the last few days as well. Um, so, Joanna, let's turn to uh, the future of Parliament, because uh, we've just wrapped up another session, and there was some debate over whether, when Parliament resumes in September, whether it would continue to be a hybrid model. And I know there's there's some interesting angles to this, because it was introduced because of the pandemic, but there are people also saying maybe there is reason to look at this as a way to make Parliament more accessible for members, uh, for to reduce travel, make it easier for maybe some different people to run if they know that they don't have to be in Ottawa quite as much, um, allow people to spend more time with their constituents. So uh, it is going to be extended for another year, despite the fact that there was some back and forth about it. That's right. They voted to continue the option of hybrid sittings until June of next year. Um, they voted on that yesterday. The Conservatives have really argued against continuing this practice, which, as you mentioned, was brought into place for the COVID-19 pandemic, saying that, you know, other Canadians have returned to the workplace and that Parliament should be no different. Um, the Liberals have said it's really important to allow MPs the flexibility to participate in the House proceedings, even if they're sick or unable to attend in person for some reason, like potentially attending a funeral. Um, you know, Government House Leader Mark Holland has said we're still in a pandemic reality, a wave could come in the fall. He said he'd commit to having government MPs show up to question period. But the thing is, in this motion that was passed, there's, there's nothing in the rules that say they have to be sick or need to attend a funeral or have any specific reason not to attend in person. And, you know, and as you, as you say, there's been discussion for a long time about whether hybrid parliament and electronic voting does make for a more family-friendly parliament, um, you know, Labour Minister Seamus O'Regan, he was really praising earlier this week the value of allowing MPs a chance to work from their constituencies instead of spending the time commuting back and forth to Ottawa on a weekly basis. So that's sort of been in a discussion for a number of years. I, I think the issue potentially here is that this is being billed as a pandemic measure and Holland saying, oh, but there could be another wave coming back. And, and so... Are they 
doing by stealth or, or, you know, if you're framing it as a pandemic measure, but then you're also talking about a family-friendly parliament, I mean, maybe, maybe they should have that discussion and make an actual decision about how to proceed going forward forever, um, involving, involving everyone, um, talking about it and studying it and the pros and cons rather than necessarily framing it as a pandemic thing. So, you know, I, I think there is an erosion of tradition there. Um, and, and sure, there are some benefits as well, um, but there's an erosion of tradition. And I, and I think maybe some people want this to be a, a proper to discussion, discussion. And it's an erosion also, frankly, of, our, of the media's ability to access politicians and hold them to account, right? Um, yeah. and, and we're not seeing people participating just because uh, they're sick. We're, we're seeing, we've seen ministers attend question period while doing it from, from their Ottawa offices, right, for, for the sake of convenience. So I think uh, everyone is going through this, uh, this whole, these debates sure. of a return to office. Um, yeah. And so it's really interesting to see Parliament going through it as well. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, as we've been discussing, uh, Parliament has risen for the summer, um, but a week from today, it's Canada Day, and uh, there's there's going to be a lot going on potentially in downtown Ottawa around that time, as there there's expected to be more protests, people arriving in, in the capital uh, to demonstrate uh, uh, perhaps a return of some of the people who were here in February. Um, and uh, uh, there's been some back and forth over the fact that some conservative MPs said they welcomed the protesters and that they had allies in in Ottawa. So this continues to be a hot button issue, a polarizing issue, and and uh, there's there's a lot of debate over what what approach parliamentarians should be taking to these demonstrations. That's right, and I, and I think one of the apprehensions is when, when people showed up in, in January, it was winter, and they were really the only ones out on the streets, right? Um, and now we're talking about people showing up on Canada Day, which uh, this year will be held in person again. There will be celebrations in person. Ottawa has, for many years, been a, a really big party that's drawn thousands of people from, from outside the city, and so we're expecting a return to that kind of festival, which which will then sort of come head to head with these with these planned protests. So I think you know what we saw happen this week was uh, some of the key figures from the January and February Freedom Convoy protests in Ottawa held a meeting with with you know CTB confirmed there were 23 Conservative MPs. That's about one fifth of the caucus attended meetings with, with these key figures. Um, you know, Conservative MP Dean Allison apparently helped the group actually gain access to a building in the parliamentary precinct um, to give this presentation. And and so, I, you know, earlier this year, there was, you know, some MPs who had, had supported them. And then when things turned into what local officials started calling an occupation and City of Ottawa residents were getting really fed up with this, and it was you know going on for longer. Had then started to distance themselves, but to have one fifth of caucus hold an actual meeting, um, I think is something that clearly can't be ignored. Um, and you know you can't sort of say this is only uh, you know a very small minority or, or a fringe uh, you know section of the of the caucus. It's quite a number of MPs. Uh, Jeremy Patzer, Conservative MP, actually noted during this meeting that only one party was represented at this boardroom tables um, around which the group had gathered and was telling them, you know, you do have allies, you've had allies all along. So so we'll see how this develops. So, you know, one, one of the key figures in this new 
uh, planned protest is Canadian soldier James Top. He's um, currently sort of marching across Canada protesting vaccine mandates. He's also been charged for speaking out against uh, mandates while in uniform, um, unlike sort of, you know, civilian Canadians, uh, Armed Forces members are really severely restricted in the comments they can make while they're wearing their uniforms, uh, particularly when it comes to criticizing government policies, because they sort of want to protect the military from yeah. the perception of politicization, right? So, so he's one of the figures now. He's also said, though, that, you know, he, he has no plan uh, for this to be sort of an occupation that we saw earlier this year. Um, but I think with, with this movement, having so many different factions and groups and um, and different ideas, I think much like in January and February, um, they're not all necessarily on the same page. So, and, and there's, you know, some that are setting up a, a camp uh, outside of Ottawa. So, um, yeah, it's something, something to watch. Uh, we saw with the uh, motorcycles that arrived uh, a little while ago that ended up just being a, a two-day thing that wasn't uh, that disruptive or a big a deal. So we'll see what happens around Canada Day. We will indeed. Uh, Joanna, thank you so much for this. And normally I wish you a good weekend. Uh, but in this case, with the podcast wrapping up, uh, as Parliament does uh, for the summer uh, break, I will wish you a good summer. Thank you for everything. Thank you. Happy summer to you, Mark. That's Joanna Smith, the Ottawa Bureau Chief for the Canadian Press. We did not uh, put any... Uh, undue influence or pressure. It is extremely important to highlight that it is only um, it is only the RCMP, it is only police uh, that determine what and when to release information. Now here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the conversation, Eli Sopau argues alleged political interference in the Nova Scotia mass shooting investigation means the RCMP must be restructured. He writes, The tragic events in Nova Scotia and subsequent response once again confirm that the national RCMP culture, structure, and systems of organization are long overdue for restructuring, so that it's free from Ottawa's political interference. The RCMP's structure currently results in a condition that I call system sclerosis, a hardening of the arteries of communication, accountability, and responsibility. As with arteriosclerosis that calcifies the heart until death occurs, system sclerosis presents itself until organizational death invariably happens. In the Calgary Herald, Chris Nelson argues COVID accelerated the demise of Canadian unity. Nelson writes, Health-wise, we are over the hump, so to speak, but psychologically, COVID did much lasting harm, further exposing the differences already plaguing this country. More than two years of constant warnings helped breed an attitude of fear and suspicion that can't be reversed simply by some ministerial edict telling us it's now okay to join hands and sing Kumbaya. We've been sliding headlong into a national abyss for some time. COVID just provided a hefty push down that sad, slippery slope. In the Toronto Star, Thomas Wacom asks if Donald Trump can make a comeback. Wacom writes... Trump has never conceded defeat in the last election, nor has he ever agreed that Joe Biden won. That should be enough to dismiss him as a crank. But what's weird is that it doesn't. In fact, the more he acts like a loon, the more popular he becomes. Trump's critics hope that by the time the next presidential election rolls around, he will be thoroughly discredited. It's not clear to me that this is anything more than wishful thinking. Trumpians thrived when their hero was under attack in the past. They continue to thrive today in spite of, and perhaps because of, 
this latest attack. Now, here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. International Development Minister Harjit Sajjan will attend the Uniting for Global Food Security Ministerial Conference in Berlin. Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bibeau will attend virtually. Labor Minister Seamus O'Regan will be in Edmonton to take part in a roundtable discussion with union representatives. He'll be joined by Tourism Minister Randy Boissonneau. Minister Boissonneau will also take part in a news conference in Edmonton. And NDP leader Jagmeet Singh will attend Fête Nationale events in Montreal. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Friday, June 24th. And that's our final edition for this parliamentary season. Our podcast resumes in September when Parliament begins sitting again. Until then, thank you for listening. Have a great summer.